welcome to this podcast from Adelaide Place Baptist Church. We are a community of disciples, apprentices of Jesus, who live and work in the city of Glasgow, and it's our vision to join God in the renewal of all things. Our discipleship to Jesus is for all of our lives, so as well as listening to this podcast, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning, or get involved in one of our missional communities, which are across the city throughout the week. Our prayer is that you encounter Jesus in some way through this podcast. More information can be found at apbc.net. Well, um, Stephen and David had asked me to share a little bit about a book I've recently written called Singleness and Marriage After Christendom, Being and Doing Family. In fact, Joan was one of the group of early readers whose task was to let me know if there were any unclear words or ideas or some things that didn't translate well across um, cultures. So thank you for that, Joan. Um, For a number of years now, I've been thinking about our views on singleness and our views on marriage and family because they show how easily we as Christians sell out to whatever the dominant culture around us tells us makes for a good life or happy life, best life. In our Christian version, uh, such a vision of good life easily becomes God's blessing or even God's will. But scratch a little deeper and you see that there is a disconnect, if not a clash, between our understanding of God's greatest blessings in our earthly lives and the picture that is drawn quite clearly in the New Testament. A lot of it has to do with putting marriage and nuclear family in the center of it all. That's what we tend to do. So allow me to paint a broad brush picture here for a moment by looking at some words of Jesus on the subject. Say, take this. Whoever comes to me, he says, and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Or when his mother and brothers ask if they could see him, and when his family think he's crazy and needs to be removed, um, or he might be demon-possessed, he responds with words which we probably well know, know very well. Who are my brothers and my sisters? Or my mother? Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Why? Why such unsettling words, especially the ones about hating your family members? You might have heard these words many times before, and you might have heard some really reasonable explanations about what's meant by words such as hate. It's not as bad as it sounds. That's the good news. The bad news is, in principle, there's no other way around it. It, These words are harsh. And if they sound harsh to us, 
then we have no idea how scandalous, how shocking these words would have been in Jesus' own culture. If you and I had lived at the same time um, when Jesus lived, then our family and the household to which we belonged would have been the center of our identity and assurance of our livelihood, our food and a roof over our heads, and the equivalent of our pension. All of that in the family and the home we shared. Everything revolved around it. And that family, of course, would have been much, much bigger. You would have likely had lots and lots of brothers and sisters, and your bond with them would have been really important throughout the whole of your life, no matter your age. Your blood links, your loyalty to your brothers and sisters, father and mother, would have been the most important bond you had. So protecting your family, protecting family honor would be your sacred duty. And to this kind of, into this kind of a world comes Jesus, who, when he's told that his own blood relations are wanting to see him, says publicly, publicly, words to the effect of, you here who are following me, who are listening to me, are more important to me than my own flesh and blood. No wonder his family think he's out of his mind. Now, of course, if we've been living with gospel stories for even a bit, then we will know that in his ministry, Jesus wasn't known for rejecting love and care for those nearest and dearest. We remember how he raised the little girl of Jairus with Talitha Kum. He insisted on the protection of the powerless and the vulnerable and said that a wife couldn't be discarded by a man who decided that he was no longer interested in her and wanted to divorce her. Remember, in Jesus' culture, only men could divorce, while women were simply transferred from the authority of one man to another, and their value really dependent on their ability to bear children, preferably sons. And as he was dying, on the, that's what Jesus was saying when he was telling them, nope, you can't just discard your wife. And as he was dying on the cross, Jesus made sure that his own mother, in all likelihood a widow, would be provided for. Remember, here's your son, here's your mother. So Jesus is not some crazed lunatic bent on destroying loving relationships and protections for those who couldn't survive on their own. Rather, he's extending the strict borders drawn by blood and marriage lines. He's after a much bigger family that is being created by none other than God. And that's huge. <laughs> that's really huge. Because for him, anybody can join this new family. Everyone was to be welcomed as a new brother and sister. Whatever their economic status, their social status, their marital status, which they did, they did join <laughs> to the dismay and outrage of, of the respectable society. And what has been really astounding 
to me when I was writing this book was noticing how many apparently single people were associated with Jesus and his movement. It's possible that some of them were married because that is what the absolute majority of the people were expected to be. But what is really unusual is that they're not identified as such in the Gospels. That's really strange and clearly quite intentional. That's particularly true of women who were following Jesus. And there were so many of them, and they were so varied, from patrons to prostitutes to widows. We could spend the rest of, of our time together just looking at these various women. Jesus had a lot of time for them. He had time for widows. They often featured in his life and in his parables as tireless, faithful participants of the kingdom. He raised the only son of a widow of, uh, at Nain, and he told the story of a persistent widow who prevailed upon an unjust judge as a reminder of the justness of God. Or think of Mary Magdalene, together with other women who have been healed by Jesus. She follows him and his disciples, which is a scandalous thing to do for a woman, and supports them out of her own funds. And then there are the two sisters of Lazarus, Mary and Martha, who seem to share a home and invite Jesus to his home, big deal, and they have some of the most profound theological conversations which we have recorded in our Gospels. Those two, Mary and Martha, are the ones I'm really looking forward to meeting in heaven and learning a little bit more about their stories. All kinds of people end up drawn to Jesus and his message about this new family that God is creating. We have the two fishermen, James and John, sons of Zebedee, who leave their father, that's what scriptures say, leave their father and their fishing boat so that they could travel with Jesus and see the kingdom of God drawing near. Now, this is not the case of two guys abandoning their elderly dad to drag his fishing boat back home on his own. No, James and John are leaving their family business, which of course still belongs and is run by their father, and which any decent son is expected to support and participate. So their act of leaving their father carries a much more significant message, much more shocking message than it is for us. As Jesus had said, there is a cost involved in deciding to follow him. A cost that was quite obvious to his early disciples. And we should be mindful of it too. There is one passage that I would like to share with you which makes that abundantly clear. It actually appears in three of the Gospels. But I'm going to read it from the Gospel of Mark, Mark 10, verses 28 to 31. Peter, another former fisherman, began to say to him, 
Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age. Houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. I'd love to know what was behind Peter's statement. Look, Jesus, we have left everything. Complaint? A request of reassurance? An expectation of praise? I don't know. Again, maybe one day I can ask. But I know what Jesus tells him in response. Jesus talks about the reality of leaving one's present life for the sake of the good news. And notice that fields and houses go together with the people the disciple might leave behind. Because once you leave your family, you lose everything. That's the deal. Of course, the prospect of such a great loss is accompanied by a promise. There is no one, says Jesus, no one who would leave their old support network and not receive already in this life a hundredfold. Again, Jesus is not after destroying human relationships or our well-being, but rather reimagining these. Compared to their own family and their own household, how many more houses will the disciples be welcomed into on their missionary journeys or fleeing from persecution? How many fields will be generously shared for producing food? And how many more new mothers, brothers, sisters, and children will they acquire in this new family? I've experienced a little bit of that in my early years. I've hinted at when we lived in a kind of closed country called the Soviet Union. And even though you couldn't openly speak about your faith, I knew that wherever we would turn up, whatever new city, whatever new republic, once we found the church, once we found the believers, we would be welcomed to our homes. I've slept in countless beds of people who had never met me before for that reason. And I hold on to that, and I still keep praying and dreaming of how it can become much more of an expression of our faith today. And it is, of course, but it could be much more. Now, if we look at that text, and we might perhaps even get it back on the screen, curiously, there's one figure missing in the, the list of, of the new things that the disciples will have. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yes. There is no promise of a new father. Only houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children in the fields. And, pers and persecutions as a bonus. This omission is 
glaringly obvious because the father was the very embodiment of the traditional patriarchal family structure. When you talk about the family, you talk about the father. I mean, that's where you start from. So the fact that the father figure is missing from the list of Jesus' new family, it would have spoken so loudly to his listeners. Here, father, of course, means something much more than the person who fathered you, some, somebody who loves you and protects you. It's, it's the person you're dependent on, legally, financially, Otherwise, this is the person who has, holds power over you. And over against this kind of image, the new family of Jesus is to have only one father, the one in heaven. Which is also why Jesus elsewhere says, call no one father, because you have only one in heaven. That's, that's how it all connects. It's quite a vision, isn't it? Quite a family that Jesus inaugurates. But redefining family in such a way seriously clashed with the way things were done, seriously clashed with the accepted ways of ordering life's priorities. The new community of Jesus, his followers, his disciples, those who would do the will of the heavenly Father, they were to supersede and redefine all previous loyalties, all for the sake of this new creation called the kingdom of God. This kind of a vision continues to defy the deeply cherished order of things considered to be best for the human society. No wonder that early Christians were called the haters of the human race and persecuted as the destroyers of family and society norms. And here's the thing. When early Christians referred to each other as brothers and sisters, they really, really meant it. This was their new family. The most important connection in their lives, whatever was to become of their blood links. So if we look at the stories of those early Christians, we see how different they are. Sometimes the whole household would embrace the way of Jesus, and then they would become, as a household, the center of Christian community life in Corinth or Antioch or whatever else. But for many others, allegiance to the Christian faith literally meant leaving their structure of life and identity and becoming totally dependent on this alternative support system, the church. So what does it mean for us today? We increasingly call our society here in Scotland post-Christian. But joining a Christian church hardly causes a scandal in our own homes, does it? And for many of us, hardly ever means having to choose between our faith and our own flesh and blood, let alone leaving our homes and fields, our professions and our aspirations. It does for some, of course. And it's a different story for those who had to flee because of their newly found Christian faith. My um, home church, our home church, uh, has several such families. And it's heartbreaking to see the pain of they have, they carry, of knowing they will probably never see their wider family again. But where does it leave the rest of us, most of us? 
At the very least, I think, these words of Jesus, this vision, this picture of this new family that he's drawing, they challenge us to take seriously what we seem to be claiming every time we call each other brothers and sisters, sisters and brothers. It challenges our understanding of what we do when we gather together to worship God like we are now, online or here in this room. And it prompts us to ask ourselves, how are we to, to be a true Christian family, true sisters and brothers, whatever our marital status or the size of our household? How are we to be a family to those who are on their own or come to church on their own? And how are we to be family to our own nuclear families within the church? And how are our biological families to be transformed in light of this new family God is creating? What does it mean for the shape of our weeks and months and years? What does it say about how often we might be gathering as a church? Or perhaps part of the church? What does it mean for our dinner tables and who would be welcome and invited there? What does it mean for how we use our time and our financial resources? These are difficult questions, aren't they? Life seems to go a very particular way in a very particular pattern. It's so difficult to get out of it. But if it feels difficult, if it feels countercultural, then yes, that's what it is. So it was in Jesus' time, so it is now. And that's why my wish for you all today is that alone and together you would know, you would experience that you truly belong to God's family. Whoever you are, whatever your circumstances. And, this, and that in this family you can learn what it means to really follow the way, to really do the will of the Heavenly Father. Whoever and whatever you might have to leave for Jesus' sake, may you discover the wonder of God's reward of hundredfold. As we finish, I wanted also to leave you a song, probably a new song, but I hope the melody, the tune you might recognize or learn or it might be in your genes because it comes from here from Scotland from Lewis to be precise and I think it captures some of that vision and maybe it will also capture your imagination for how we are part of this amazing story that started with Jesus and still goes on um, if you'd rather listen you're very welcome to we can remain sitting 
Um, but if you'd like to join, I'd love some company as well. So whenever you feel ready, just join in. Oh 